this is Corey Garvey coming to you from England. Today I'm talking with my buddy Kevin. He's a college friend who was living out in San Francisco. I visited him about ten and a half years ago before I made the jump, lived on his couch for a few months, and managed to get myself settled afar from the beautiful East Coast. He now resides in Los Angeles with his gorgeous fiance, and they've started going to church fairly frequently and on a regular basis, and we talk about what that experience has been like for him having grown up a lifelong uh, Catholic in a East Coast, Boston area scene. Um, He went to Catholic schools growing up until we went to college together. He was always going to church while we were in school, and I, I think the progressive aspect of some of these churches on the West Coast, he took me to Glide Memorial Church up in San Francisco, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, just an amazing community, amazing people, and it sounds like where he's going now in LA has taught him a lot of phenomenal things as well. And that whole conversation, you know, we, we talked the other day, um, I've just been running it over in my mind the last few days, and specifically this morning, I went out for a run, I find myself by the river here with nobody else around early in the morning, and in my head all the time, I have all these different things that give me some bit of anxiety, right? It's my job, it's the job I want to have, what I want to do, what I feel like I've given up on at times, or just haven't been able to succeed in, yet... The thing that kind of Kevin got home with me in this conversation is how much we all can push ourselves to be good people, to be to be better people, not in our job, not in some measure of how good we look in the mirror or something like that, but just being a good person. Um, It makes me think of sort of some of these Marcus Aurelius points where um, if you want to be a good man, be a good man, you know, don't think about all the strategies and the way to do this. Just go be it. Um, Kevin talks about that a little bit and just the way that the church has pushed him toward the critical thinking aspect of a lot of the stories and scriptures that he's reading and they're going through and and working through in the church. Um, And yeah, just, just harking back on like my own kind of view on this, I have some tough days, you know, I have tough days where I don't even think I consider the tough days the ones where I have a lot to do, where I'm busy all over the place. I don't find myself getting yelled at at work or sometimes I'll I'll drop the ball on one thing or another, but those aren't always the toughest days. It's really when I think I'm not treating people as well as I should. And that might be a stranger, but somehow, strangely, more often than not, it's someone close to me. And... Oftentimes, that ends up being my wife, who I spend more time with than anyone else. And it's it's just such a strange contradiction of, of sorts because, you know, it's the person I care about the most. And I, I find this to be similar with other family members I have. My parents, my siblings, um, my wife's siblings and parents is, you know, you care about them so much. They're so close to you. And because of that, you have such an intimate view on how you think they can improve or how they are affecting your ability to do one thing or another. Yet, they're the ones that are most often the most supportive, the ones that enable you to be able to do anything. They're the ones who are helping me take care of my son, raise my son. They're helping me 
um, kind of have the space to be able to work on the things that I want to. They're the ones encouraging me and giving me good feedback when, when good things happen. And they're, sometimes I just find myself becoming anxious and taking it out on them. And this conversation just got me thinking about how I can really be better, you know, be better with them and set that as the expectation. I'm not going to look back and I don't look back at the last 15 years or the next 15, 20, 30 years as what was I able to do in my career. Sure, that's important. And that those are things that I want to do. But if I'm not able to maintain strong relationships and have people who love me and that I care about, what does any of it mean? And if I can't really improve the lives of, of other people, of the people around me, and, and build a really enjoyable space for them to live in and be a positive attitude when I walk in the room or when I get on a call and someone that people want to talk to and want to be around because it brings them up, then what the hell does it matter what my career situation is? What does it matter if I somehow create some widget that allows a million people I don't know to save five minutes a day? Like, who cares? And that's something I constantly am telling myself, and especially when I catch myself becoming anxious over career goals or something like that. So right before we get to the interview, the, the last thing I want to say is I, I mentioned this in the conversation. I read this essay book that I highly suggest you check out, which is from Clayton Christensen called How Will You Measure Your Life? And Christensen wrote The Innovator's Dilemma, one of the best books ever about business. I don't think that's going too far. It's a, uh, a heavy book, but it's definitely worth picking up if you're interested in innovating or building anything. But How Will You Measure Your Life is a essay, I guess I would say, about 20 pages going into the th sort of a talk that he had in Harvard Business School where he taught, um, he has since passed away, about just what's important to think about as you're measuring your life, as you're measuring how you're doing. And one of the points he talks about is really the impact you have on individual people's lives, on others' specific individual lives. And he thinks through being a boss and being a manager and that management is not necessarily about negotiating the best deal. It's not about the business plan to build the right products, but actually managing people and managing their happiness and and how much of a improvement you can make in their lives. And he never wanted to be that manager who pushes his workers so hard that someone comes into the day in a great mood and finds himself driving home frustrated, angry, becoming a worse parent, a worse spouse when they get home because of what happened at their job. Instead, they should be going back enthused and feeling better about themselves. And I just find that so relevant as a benchmark for what is success. Success is not necessarily being able to put my headphones on and get into my work and write a bunch of code and build a couple things in a day, but it's how can I make the people I'm working with leave with a sense of accomplishment? Um, how can the thing we do together really improve individual people's lives? But also how can I end up at the end of the day with my family around people I care about happier and in a better space and in a space to bring them up to an, a, a better level. So 
Maybe you won't get all that from this conversation, but that's definitely a lot of what I've been thinking about since I talked with Kevin. Uh, this is my boy. We'll be chatting again if he's listening. I expect you on soon, Farino. Um, so enjoy this conversation with Kevin Farino. All right, this is episode number 23. I thought I'd save the great number 23 for you, Mr. Kevin Farino. I think you weren't in the picture as far as guests were concerned when 12 came around. So I thought the best I could do was number 23. Welcome to Sell the Far. Thanks for having me. Been a long time listener. Glad to be on the show. Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, where, are we, where are we talking to you from? I'm in Los Angeles. Very nice. The west side. It's, um, I'm having lived in San Francisco with yourself for a while. Los Angeles, you should quickly realize that uh, it is a very large place. Geographic. The west side to the east side is, you know, an hour drive at the, the most optimal traffic conditions. Are you eating well? And I zoomed out on a map the other day, and it's like you go up to San Francisco or these other places, Boston, and it's like it doesn't even compare. <laughs> like size, like driving, driving size, size wise, yeah. Because it's always you know nice when you have like the map and you zoom it in. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Like it's not really the traffic here that gets you. It's the fact that it just seems like everything's in LA. So you're like, oh yeah, I'll like go to that side, and I want to go explore this. I want to go explore this, but like you're going multiple cities away and most other places. Yeah, me and my buddy Kerry went to Denver for a couple of concerts a few years ago, like ten years ago, and we were going to Red Rocks. And Red Rocks is on the west side of Denver, and so the same thing happened. I'm like looking at the map on Google Maps or whatever and I book a hotel. And I was like, well, it's just on the other side of Denver. And Denver's a huge city. So every day we're trying, we have to go to this concert and take like a 45 hour long cab. It's terrible. Definitely uh, need to look at the, the legend. How is... Um, yeah, I was going to ask, how's the food there compared to San Francisco? I felt like we ate really well in San Francisco, but everything I see from L.A., the food is, like, I think the, the best-looking food I see. Like, donuts and Mexican food and fish. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of classic kind of uh, California cuisine, right, influenced by uh, Mexico. And just being on the coast. But um, they have a lot of cool pockets here as well. Like Little Armenia. We went to an Ethiopian restaurant the other week. Um, so you, you get these, because it is so big, it's one of those benefits of the uh, you know, vastness of, of the city. Yeah. Is that a lot of these cultural places are either able to remain as pricing goes up on real estate or they're just like much bigger than they would have been in a place like San Francisco. And, and I was chatting about this just the other day where in San Francisco moving from Chinatown to North Beach is like 
two blocks away, yeah. right? You're like in Chinatown, and now you're in like yeah. more of the Italian part of the, of the city, where like that's like no, you get in your car and you like like in in you know in Chinatown and in the more Italian spots, these places are they're large and there's a community there and they've got their um, you know local club or something where people are hanging out and doing cultural activities which is pretty cool because you know then you get more of a flavor of it it's not just one place that wins out um but the places are definitely more uh more hip and cool it's kind of it, it leans into that than the uh yeah. la is cool than the food like it, it it i feel like san francisco is a, i don't know there were aspects of it that lost a little of the cool from maybe the first year or two I was there, that it became a little, you know, a, a barbecue place that wanted to be cool, but it wasn't as rough and cool as like Memphis Minis when we first started. For first sure. started out there, cool man. I, I, dude, I'm in. I'm in the search for more guests, and I'm glad to have you on. Uh, let's get to something that's seems to be exciting you lately you mentioned to me you guys have been going to church a little bit getting back in the groove of um of going to church i know you have been you know grew up in in boston uh, went to catholic high school thankfully made your way out of the jesuit school college route and made it to mit but um yeah, what what what's going on there? You is this a a new habit that you've formed? I know you've kind of been on and off about going to church for a while. And what is so what is so exciting lately about this church in LA? Totally, yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited about this. Glad to talk on it. It's so the the church is called Vintage. And really, it started. I mean, right now, coming out of pandemic, having lived in LA for the last year and a half, two years in a pandemic, not having much of a community here, just trying to find different ways to, to plug in, to meet people. And we had a, a pair of friends that were going to this church that invited us along. And I was raised as a Catholic. Uh, my partner and I have talked a lot about the power of religion, the power of the stories behind it, she was raised half with, with Catholicism and a Muslim influence, so always kind of understood that there was different ways to think about things. Um, and it was something that I, that I always felt a little bit mad with the church um, for for really becoming a bit more institutionalized, the Catholic Church in, gen in, in specific, in the sense that they, they were like too attached to these words that were written, you know, thousands of years ago. You know, a similar feeling to you know, people that are defending the Second Amendment, where it's like, yeah, that, that was when it took a long time to load your gun and to shoot a person, like you could really only shoot one person before someone took you down. You didn't have a, an assault rifle. Yeah. The same thing with a lot of these teachings that, that are coming out 
or that are held onto by a religion is that we have to be critical thinkers in this. And um, one of my favorite musicals uh, is the Book of Mormon, which really touches based on this. And it's just a wonderful parody around, you know, using comedy and humor to really get at this fundamental point that these are these are stories, these these are ways, these are teachings, but you know maybe they're not we shouldn't be looking at them as like directions, right? And the coolest part of this church, so so a part of it, a couple parts, you know, specifically, I guess individually, but more with you know, other people kind of involved is that the setup, the structure of it, is, and it's it's really it's really fantastic being a part of it in LA. Um, is that the, the first fifteen minutes is worship, which is pretty much turns into like a rock concert about God, and then you get into pretty much a Bible study, and they go through chapters in the Bible, and they focus on a book, they focus on a story. There's a theme there that. You're reading different verses, um, you know, six weeks at a time. You're getting into it. There's history that's brought into it. Uh, so I guess the the rock concert part is super fun because we've got seems like professional musicians showing up every other week that are just uh, rocking on stage, which is great to be a part of. Yeah. And then the it's almost like a classroom where you walk through, this is what the Bible says, and they bring a bit more context. It's not so high level, like, okay, like, the Good Samaritan, and it's kind of my qualm with growing up in the Catholic Church is that by the time I was in high school, I had been through the rounds enough times that I heard all the stories that they were gonna tell. Like, they only focused on these stories, and I was like, all right, the Good Samaritan again. Like, I get it, you know? like. And there's no, like, more information of, like, well, who was this guy that wrote this? Like, what was the genre that they were actually going after? Was it a historical thing? Was this a parable? And it's super interesting. At this church, because they get into that, they get into this is what theologians think about this actual book. Some of them think that it was written for this purpose. Some of them think that it was, you know, written as a parable that it wasn't actually true, but this is what you know they were trying to convey because of the historical context around it, or even to getting into you know who are the players. So recently, we just read about Jonah, and the story about Jonah is that this guy is called to go preach to the Ninevites, and the Ninevites are, you know, from from the text, just like very evil people. But when you read over that, and, and it's just it's there's a lot of context there that's assumed that whoever knew about the Ninevites is like, oh yeah, those guys, terrible. Like, they have this vision. It doesn't need to be explained. But for us, I'm like looking at them and it's almost, it's not real to me, right? So it's like, oh, we're going to take a pause now and actually dig into who the Ninevites are so you can get context and appreciation for what God was actually asking this guy to do. It was like, the Ninevites were part of the Assyrian Empire that were known for their brutality that would come into villages and like skin people alive and like put their heads everywhere like these were ruthless dudes 
it's like, okay, now you have that appreciation that this guy is being asked to go into this community of people that have been killing his people and go tell them that they're being bad and like they need to change. So it just, it, it gives you more than you would take away yourself. Um, you know, which is a wonderful way to experience art, right? Like you go into a museum or something like once you start, once you get over that threshold and maybe like people had never had to get over that for me personally, like the first time I actually like spent the five bucks to get the audio recording, it was just a game changer. It's like, all right, awesome. Getting all this knowledge. I go up to the picture. I'm learning about like everything about it. I'm not just appreciating it for what it is or trying to take away my own, um, you know, perception of it. So we have all that and you're kind of, you prompted in it. The most exciting part, like it's cool to learn about the history and the context and all of that, but it's just to be prompted with thought provoking questions and ideas that we then walk out of church with and, and we can talk about ourselves and, and you kind of challenge it and say, well, where are you on this like topic? Like, does this relate to your life in any way? And it becomes more of this, I don't know, uh, a little bit like a, a forced function of discussion and, and dialogue that yeah. really touches upon things that are, that are more meaningful. Um, and, and just like not found in culture or everyday life. I think the way and how pointed it is with this, where the focus is on being better and, and not like being better in a career wise or being richer. It's like, like being better as a, as a person, like how can you love more or give more or just like, yeah, be more in touch. It's funny. Cause so you it's, just, yeah, you, you, um, right. you suggested that, Clayton Christensen essay, I guess you call it to me, and a big part of like, how will you measure your life, it's called. And a big point he brings up is your career success is really how many individual people you impact. It's not how uh, much money you make or something like that. And yeah, it reminds me a bit of that a bit. Um, I wanna ask if you, it seems like in our generation, and probably certainly the generation after us of the Gen Z TikTokers, like a strict belief in the uh, the written parts of of Christianity are is going away a little bit, and I think I have definitely been uh, guilty of this, but at times I think I. I I think twice about my where I'm at with it. Like I, I grew up in a Catholic family, community, everything, and I think the contradictions at times in the Bible, let's say, turn me off to all of it. Um, but that seems like a lazy way out, and I think a lot of people will say, or I've heard, you know, I'm kind of this. Richard Dawkins, I'm an atheist because I have these scientific understandings of how the world works and this and that. Um, do you think that's like a lazy way of looking at it, almost an arrogant way of looking at it? Because 
it sounds like this church you're going to vintage has a you know has a purpose beyond trying to get you to maybe donate money to their their church and buy a new i don't know stained glass window or something like that like are there a lot of people sure, maybe even like yeah. i guess even more pointed like they're not trying to and like we just started so you know who knows uh, yeah, yeah, in a yeah. couple of weeks or so some some get out shit starts happening um <laughs> Like, they're not trying to push their ideology. They're trying to push the fundamental goodness that you, that I think is inherent in most people, that we, we, we have a North Star, or we have something, and we know that, or we have ambitions to do better. And it's almost just like cultivating that, where it's like, we all have these ideas of how we can be better or what we could do or how we should treat people. And because that seems like the goal, it's, it's more attractive, right? It's much more attractive than like more dogma as, as you're saying. Right. And I think that definitely pushes a lot of people away. Um, but totally, I mean, it's one of those things where the, like appreciation for history, appreciation for the past. If you don't have that, like if, like this is a book that was used by humanity and like a lot of these religious texts, right? So the Bible specifically, but the Quran and, you know, Hebrew scriptures and all of these things are like the thought leaders of the day talking about what it's like to, to live well or, or do things well. And that's the trick, right? The trick is to be able to go into this and remain a critical thinker throughout it. Yeah. Not say, oh, well, you know, this is the rule, this is what God says, and get kind of tied up a little bit too much in that. And, like, that's still something I'm working through as well, of, well, if I do believe in God and... God is saying these things and there's stories of people who didn't listen to God because they thought they knew better. Well, then that story is pretty much about me. And if those people didn't end up well, does that mean that I'm not going to end up well? And, and you kind of get into this circle. But it's just from a logical standpoint, from like a time standpoint, there are things that I can say like aren't that bad, that have brought goodness to them. And like anything that's powerful or important, I think there's there's ways that you can use it and it's easy to abuse it. So you have to be mindful of that. You have to be mindful, like a, a lot of these laws or scriptures or, or whatever, you know, the dogmas that are in these religious texts, like appreciate the context that someone was intelligent enough to write this for a mass of people maybe he didn't hear this thing straight from God, maybe he tweaked it a little bit because what he was ultimately trying to do was have people live as God wanted them to live. So, you know, no sex before marriage. Well, you know, did they have contraception back then? Did they have all these things? Did, you know, was it, was it in, you know, man's favor to make that play because you know they have this no sex before marriage but then they have you know brothels everywhere in all of these stories and just like 
old times. So it's like that doesn't add up as much. Yeah, it's. I think the critical thinking sounds like the key, right? You have to bring, and and if you can bring that critical thinking in, it's so powerful. All these scriptures and everything because they have the history of being so effective and so meaningful to so many people. And I'm anytime I I really am like down on the church, it's really hard for me not to look toward the impact that the church has on communities all over the world. And I remember I heard, I was listening to a podcast or something and they were talking about, um, I think it was in the, the Bay area somewhere and there was a need for support for people who, um, I think they were offering like help with dental issues or something like that. And um, it turns out that, you know, so many people kind of put off getting, going to the dentist, something like that. But then the church was offering, some church in, in one of the towns in the peninsula was offering free dental care. And just like how many people they were able to treat in such a small period of time because um, because it was free and most people weren't getting this through their insurance or something like that. And it's just undeniable how effective the church is in the community. And it seems like there's not, at least in America, or at least where I am in England, there's not that much of a substitute. Like, you know, you have things like the Boy Scouts and, and things oftentimes aimed at children, little sports teams or Little League. But the church is so meaningful. And it makes me think of... You brought me first to Glide in San Francisco, and then I ended up bringing my uh, Aslahan's family when they visited. And this is like a bunch of non-English-speaking cool. Muslims going to Glide Church in San Francisco, where it's you know crazy diverse and it's Christian, but it's more than anything like a community that's like really helpful. Um, do you ever worry? Or, or think that people underestimate the the sort of value of the church in the community in the fact that it seems like these days um, the church is not as big a part of all of our lives as maybe it would have been 20, 30 years ago. And I, I think it's coming back in this, like, this church in specific... And there was one up in San Francisco that that Ryan brought me to um, called Reality, and a similar similar vision. And a lot of it is it's it's inspirational because people are thinking about they're they're redesigning. They're they're coming with new fresh ideas to this really powerful uh, institution. And, and part of the community to bring people into it, right? Like, can you imagine, like, if a company or some kind of artist just played the same song for a hundred years and it's like, this is the process that we go through? Like, right, people get bored of it. Like, come on, like, we need redesign, we need change. And they're kind of offering that in, in a new light when it's like kind of same ideas, we're still doing this, we want to be a part of the community especially with the isolation 
the pandemic, um, you know, people are searching for that. So I, I, I know a part of our excitement too is, is, is being pushed to be more a part of the community. And, and one of the side reasons we were looking at different churches as well is that we, we wanted to start exploring what it would mean to um, become foster parents. And with that, like start taking steps towards well, how does even the process work, start talking to people about it, um, just information gathering, but how do we start supporting at a time where we're not ready to like, uh, like at all, like take that, that next step. Um, and what these communities came back to us with was, well, what, what church are you a part of? And you, we really encourage you to be a part of a church because the community, the help that goes into helping for different families is so much stronger when you are a part of that institution because it has such a um, you know, reach into the community. And its whole purpose is around service. So one of these things that is just... Yeah, I think it's needed, right? It's, it's needed and, and it's wonderful that I felt like it's been needed for a while and then they've almost ostracized themselves because of their inability to, to change. I mean, it's just for a TikTok generation to go into a church where it's just long and boring and um, it, yeah, it just like doesn't make like... sense. Are you pandering to like you guys like you need to like play to your audience and this is starting to incorporate that which is wonderful to see you know and it's cool that it's being accepted and i'm hopeful that there's a lot of other a lot of other projects and and, and churches and, and things that come out that maybe do things a little bit differently that re resonate with certain people definitely well i'm Really thankful for you coming on and chatting about this. I know uh, your history with the church is long, and it's exciting to see. I mean, just looking at vintage the vintagechurchla.com, it looks like a lot of fun. I think that's a big thing, too. You know, you talk about service, and I don't know how many people would disagree that when you sort of are giving, you get a lot more out of it than just getting, right? And personally um personally this is making me think you know we we are in a little town where i don't have a huge community here and i haven't i, I can tell you the the community i do have and the things i do do these saturday morning dad's breakfasts are hosted at the church and you know i've i talked to the i don't know i think i kind of gravitate toward the old guys that that run the the thing more so than maybe the young dads sometimes, but there, some of these guys have fostered dozens of kids and they're just such uh, positive people too. And such like uh, awesome people, you know, you show up, they, they're making sandwiches and getting coffees for everyone and just love being around everyone. And you can tell that the service aspect of it is so gratifying for them. Um, all right, dude. Well, I don't want to overstay my 
gracious feelings toward you for coming on and talking about this. Um, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we'll have you back soon to talk about maybe some some of that golf game you've been picking up lately. That's right. I'm the new lefty. Watch out, Phil. Yep, watch out. How was it hard getting some lefty clubs? Definitely. It probably prevented me from getting that on the course for about a year because I was looking on, you know, I was trying to get some cheap clubs. Like, who's got lefties? Facebook Marketplace. Every day there's like, you know, 12 sets of righties falling on for free. Here, these are free. These are free. Uh, you got to write a letter to write a letter to Phil. Uh, he's not playing these Yeah, I should have Maybe actually. He's got some extra like ones. Phil, I just, I, I need to get out there. I'm a natural. Uh, cool, dude. <laughs> Nice. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Settle the Far. All that awesome music you're listening to comes from Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates. Bass player, Kevin Farino. While you're here, leave a rating, leave a review, share this with one of your friends. It really helps get the word out. And until next time, don't ask how to be better. Just be better. Be better.